This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today we've got Sanjay Mehta. From the CE- He's the CEO of Muram India, formerly Social Wavelength. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, uh, thank you, Shane. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Yeah, fantastic. And we should probably maybe fill in the, the audience a little bit. Um, we met, I was trying to figure out, I think it was... November 2012 uh, in Mumbai at the World Brand Congress. Does that sound like about right for the date? I think that's when it would have been. I think so. Somewhere around then. I'm also a little hazy <laughs> on the date, but uh, yeah, it seems about that kind of time. It's been a while since we actually met. We've been in touch on Facebook, but uh, I think the meeting was a bit uh, a few years back. Yeah. yeah, we met. We met at the uh, at the hotel where the conference was and um, connected. And at that point. I mean, remember, this was 2012, and at that point, you were already really fully invested in social media. So I, I would, you know, assume that you were one of the, you know, forward-thinking agencies in the social media space, particularly in, in India, even Southeast Asia at that time. I guess so, yeah. I think we started out in 2009 when it was uh, really, really early days. And uh, I remember those early days when we... As an agency, we did not need to go and sell the agency as much as we had to sell social media. Mm-hmm. So, so I know that was definitely early days. Uh, uh, now it's, uh, it's a competitive world with lots of agencies out there. So if I need to win some business, I have to sell the agency now. But those days we were just selling the concept of social media. And if I managed to sell that, the business was ours. So, so yeah, it's a... It's, uh, it was early days in the space when we started, yes. Fantastic. And I mean, I, I'm, I've kind of lost track because it seems like every time I turn around, um, Miram is getting another award either in India or internationally for the, the work you do in, in social media and digital marketing. Um, what was one of the more recent ones? So we had this uh, brilliant campaign which we did last year. Uh, it was called Fundtastic. We did this for uh, Franklin Templeton Mutual Fund, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is a is a U.S. Uh, headquartered mutual fund with uh, presence around the world and uh, a fairly uh, decent presence in India. So Franklin Templeton Mutual Fund has been one of the forward-thinking uh, funds in terms of adopting digital. So while a lot of them um, are still make, taking first steps. Franklin Templeton was ahead of the curve and they have been uh, very active for the last few years. And we have been working with them for at least three, four years now. So one of the obligations uh, that every mutual fund in India has is to do investor education because mutual funds is a, is a concept that is not easily understood by a lot of common investors. Mm-hmm. So the uh, regulatory body has mandated that all mutual funds need to spare a certain amount of the corpus that they have towards investor education. It's an almost an obligation and it's always a struggle to do this well because it's a subject which is dry, which is technical and uh, investors or in ordinary consumers uh, do not quite like to sit in front of long videos explaining jargon and things of that kind. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is always there to make it interesting, make it creative, make it work. So that's when um, you know we came up with this idea called the Fantastic Cup. Um, it was a gamified environment to, to make investor education simple. Uh, 
and so it was it was constructed as an app on on uh, iOS, Android, and Windows, and it was also on the web, on the desktop, and it was mirrored around uh, on the theme of cricket. Uh, cricket is the most popular sport in India, mm-hmm. and uh, it's almost like a religion. So the whole game had a cricket theme, which means that you know, as a, as a person played the game, they 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 saw concepts which were cricket concepts like an over and hitting a sixer or hitting a boundary or scoring runs and things like that. But whatever actions they were taking to do this was uh, investor education action. So they were, they were looking at a quiz or questions and every time they got it right, they scored runs. If they didn't get it right, the game would pop the actual question, uh, actual answer. So in the process, uh, if you got it, that means you know the subject. If you didn't get it, you were getting the answer. So uh, very subtle education was happening. And uh, this worked really, really well. Um, it far exceeded the targets we had set ourselves for in terms of the number of education events that we will create. It went into millions. And uh, in, in terms of effectiveness to generate the ed- investor education is one of the most effective programs which was run and uh, because of this as it, it has won a bunch of awards uh, in direct social media kind of uh, you know acknowledgement as well as specifically in in areas of financial uh, using social and digital media for financial uh, industry so yeah I think we've clocked probably more than 30 awards for this one campaign so That's yeah we really yeah and and we're, we're coming up with fantastic cup two which is all ready and will roll out uh, in early part of 2016. Yeah, amazing. And so, how how many downloads did that app or activations did that application have? Um, I think it, the downloads were in the region of a uh, uh, hundred thousand or something like that, uh, which is pretty large considering it's a very niche. Uh, yeah. financial uh, business and you know education thing and and also it's it's a branded thing so you know it's for a brand to kind of a push something you know it's it's a game or something which anybody is downloading to have fun that's a very different thing as as against a brand trying to educate so i think somewhere around that but you know i think the the number which all of us were far were chasing was the number of unique education events every time somebody answered a question or engaged that was one education event which was happening and that's what actually was was what mattered from the Measuring even the regulatory body point of view that how, how much education we are really imparting to the to the investor community so I, I think it really went well what a great way to measure too because a website really won't tell you kind of you know how much people are engaging or what they're learning but that's uh that's extremely yeah. measurable so what a yes. great way to tie return on investment and measurement to social media yeah. So that's yes. uh, that's like yes. kind of the next level of social, if you think about it, is kind of where that's evolved to. Um, Absolutely. So now you're doing campaigns outside of India or working with a number of clients outside of India as well, correct? Yes. So I mean, to a certain extent, I think it's just the beginning. I I, I believe it'll it'll become more. But yes, we've started. Uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff. Yes. I, I mean, I I don't know if you ever even have to leave Mumbai for the rest of your life to probably build an agency that's global in scale as far as size. I mean, it's such a huge market there. Um, but one question, and that is, do, do you find dealing with the the market in India, and then dealing with um, 
markets outside of India, um, do you find there's a major difference in what like the consumer or just individuals on the web are responding to as far as social content compared to other countries? So, uh, I mean, there, there, there are obvious differences at the fine level uh, in terms of uh, sort of what drives the behavior of the netizen in different different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, for us, the first, first uh, so to say, you know, first point of uh, convincing somebody is the client. Yes. And uh, what I find interesting is that the the level of awareness of the of the potential of the medium and what it can do um, you know it's the that is pretty similar in india as as outside india in terms of where the traditional marketer has reached in terms of grasping the potential yes. uh, and uh, and there there are shades so there are the few who have been um, if I may say that the early adopters from coming from a traditional media background, coming from the television and print world, there were a few who took on and took on the challenge early enough and kind of dabbled and have, have reached a reasonably good level of understanding today. But there are several who are still still discovering and, and still kind of having uh, a, a lot of, um, I would say, uh, incorrect understanding and hence groping so uh, thinking that okay you know i'm talking to a western world developed world customer uh, a client and you know he should be knowing this but that's not that's not always true and you know sometimes we get asked uh, very very fundamental questions and you know so so which which we of, often find from indian clients as well so so in that sense the traditional marketer in different parts of the world pro- probably has been equally sort of not, not being able to sort of raise the level of understanding due to this, probably the same reason. The reasons have been uh, A, that, you know, obviously he's has he's a full-time day job trying to do what he's anyway doing, which is maybe managing his print campaigns or his PR or whatever traditionally he does. And then it's a question of, you know, sort of breaking the barrier of uh, of that insecurity that, Oh my God! I don't get it. Digital and all this is too complex because <laughs> you know I think that one difference, you know, from print to television and everything, and outdoor hoardings and all that, that is fundamentally it's space selling. You know, yes. you have you know, so there is it's in some sense it's easier to look at one from the other, and you come to digital and it's like really uh, a different ball game with all sorts of you know technology and uh you know like a, r- a run of the site and cpms and the cpcs and whatnot and so as soon as you kind of go to the second or third level they're like oh my god what's going on here <laughs> so some of them then just uh, put a barrier and they don't get it and so so some of these traditional reasons and i see them happening as much in india as outside india yes. so so that's where it is but i think what is changing is as the as the digital native is coming into senior positions in organizations, the guys who have... In who, India, faster probably than anywhere else because of the demographic, eh? Yeah, I, I guess so. I think that's true. I think, I think the average client um, uh, that I have encountered in... Uh, you know, It's not that I have encountered a lot of people outside India. It's still uh, my maybe 95% of my business or interactions have been with uh, 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 people... Uh, 
uh, in India. But yes. whoever I have, I think the average age um, is much uh, higher in the in in the western side. You know, more often than not, we have yeah, and it has 40, it's it's 40, somewhat yeah. 40 to 45 percent in the sort of millennial age group in your where in North America, it's just beginning to move into even just middle management. And we have a lot of older demographic that is somewhat, you know, in, in some ways, they you know, wisdom keeps the ship running in the right direction, so to speak, within many organizations. But it also slows technology adoption down in a big way. And that's the uh, that's the you know the big thing I think I I would say in India and you can correct me on this or maybe expand upon it is that India to a large degree leap, leapfrogged um, especially North America in mobile marketing because of just the number of mobile devices there. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, you're not left with a choice. Uh, I mean, everybody's seeing the numbers on television and print and everything go down in terms of the. Uh, viewership, readership, things of that kind, and as against that, if you see the the minutes uh, spent on a phone on a on a on a mobile device has just kept going up and up, and it's going across demography. It's going into the you know so, so to say the the lower relatively lower strata of society in terms of economy. Uh, and um, if I am a brand, if I'm a brand manager, if I'm a marketer. Uh, I just have no choice but to use that screen to get my message out to him, and which means that I have to understand, I have to get into that mobile marketing uh, one or the other way. So yes, it's forced to them, forced upon them. So for you, I mean, I, whenever I read your updates, uh, you know, uh, read blog posts, uh, you're always quite enthusiastic and and appear to be quite inspired about what you're doing every day. What excites you most about social media marketing in the digital marketing space today? What do you find most exciting? You know, Shane, uh, f- from the time that I jumped into this way back in 2009, uh, uh, I, so, so, so my influence was a couple of really interesting books I read, and one of them was uh, The Groundswell uh, from, from Sh- the Forrester Press. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always uh, at a very deeper and fundamental level of consumer behavior and the potential that this medium has and it was never just about you know running one more fancy campaign on Facebook and you know getting some likes so I have at least always attempted through my through my discussions with clients or whenever I get an opportunity to speak um, at conferences and elsewhere to appeal to the larger opportunity which is where social and digital media can make an impact to your business objectives and having said all that 2009 that's what we went and started talking and all but as soon as uh, you know it came to okay what should we do for our business uh, businesses came and said oh let's start a facebook page <laughs> which which was very especially uh, 2009 <laughs> exactly around that time 2009 2000 it almost till 2011 it was still you know get a page make a lot of fans get I, in my category, I should have the most number of fans and, you know, those were all the wrong goals to chase. Mm-hmm. But we were okay because I think the way at least I looked at it was that if somebody, you know, instead of sitting on the side and, you know, just analyzing and more analyzing more, if they at least dabble, if they get their feet into the water, you know, they'll, they'll get comfortable and then they'll still, they'll start learning more. And that's exactly how the, uh, the market has evolved. 
today we reached a point where uh, in india especially for multiple reasons and i'll come to the reasons later but uh, where it has reached is that uh, brands and marketers are now seeing the space beyond just a you know building up of fans and followers kind of thing to actually sensing that hey you know this can really deliver business mm-hmm. it can drive business results and which is the most exciting because now are now the kind of uh, work which comes our way or the opportunities which have come our way allow me uh, to to go go with very large business impacting digital transformation kind of solutions and where i know that what i'm doing is making a bigger impact you know when when we were doing those facebook campaigns and all i know that you know the client was doing because it was a check box which he had to do that oh i have got started into social but really for making a big impact to his business he was still talking to his mainline creative agency the guys who were doing his television campaign and stuff like that because that's what moved the needle for his sales and things of that kind today it's not necessarily so i mean he still has a huge dependence on television it's not gone away most brands i'm saying but today i know that i can make a difference through what we do we can get more people walking into the store we can save his customer service costs you know we we can create a, a, a more efficient uh, mobile based uh, network for his field salesman you know we can do bunch of things which are very real and which are real business solutions and hence the ceo of of an organization has has years for us and that's the most exciting that this is how this is where we always wanted to be we didn't want to be a fringe player who was getting the loose change after all the other marketing money was spent um we 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 wanted to be on that on in that boardroom and make a difference to organizations and which we are now getting opportunities we get we have some really amazing opportunities on our table at this point and that's the most exciting uh, and uh, and as i said the reasons for this i mean just to i mentioned earlier that there are some reasons which draw and one of the biggest reasons is the sheer numbers you know when we were talking in uh, in 2009 2010 2011 um, the question which you know which came back to us from the clients were that hey look we are a country of more than a billion people and what we are at 50 million 100 million facebook or whatever so uh, you know it's it's a small niche percentage of my market potential and if i i can't go you know you know i can over index based on what you're telling me because my real customer is on the street and he's coming to the store and he's reading the newspaper and seeing television so that still gets priority now today as we approach uh, internet population of close to 300 million and growing rapidly that base cannot be ignored and um, because it can't be ignored uh, they have they have to give it priority and suddenly the focus has shifted and which is where uh, a much higher level of seriousness has come in from the from marketer from the ceo and uh, that is forcing them to uh, uh, give it uh, that that inadequate uh, disproportionate time not in this disproportionate time from their side and give us some respect so, i mean that puts india that, that puts india um indians the indian social media community is significantly larger than the one in the united states at this point i mean the 300 million people 
digitally connected through social. I mean, that's uh, that's the entire population of the United States, right? So that's yeah. a that's a massive. So, so just to correct, we are three hundred million on the internet at this time. Yes, the social media base is a little uh, lower than that, probably half of that, or maybe yeah, something around that. Okay, but uh, three hundred million on the internet, and um, uh, sorry, three hundred yeah, three hundred million on the internet. So they are there's there's checking email and you know doing a bunch of some of those things and um, sooner or later they'll they'll all be you know facebook is doing facebook and google all of them are doing some mega campaigns to to kind of get people all those 300 people and and the new ones which are coming in to see uh, you know how 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 it's so great to be on facebook and whatever so i mean we will see conversions most of them getting onto social media in some time but yeah the internet base is about 300 million now so so drilling kind of right down, because we're talking about you know the size of the market in India and where you've grown. Can I actually take a step back first? How how large is is Muram, um, India? Like how's the you know how many people are on your team? Um, are you all in Mumbai? Are you dispersed throughout the country? Um, just tell us a bit about your organization. Right. So actually, you know, maybe I'll just take uh, just a little bit to explain Miram. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, so Miram. Like you mentioned at the outset, it's actually formerly Social Wavelength. Uh, so we started in 2009 as Social Wavelength, and we started as a pure play social media agency. Yes. In 2009, we were we were all of four people when we got started. Hmm. And however, uh, you know, uh, so as an entrepreneur, one had a vision, uh, uh, but a lot of times the vision um, doesn't work out. But very interestingly, this time it panned out as exactly as we planned, and we grew rapidly. So. Uh, social media space grew rapidly and we kept pace and we continued to sort of scale and so before we knew we were uh, you know we were about 150 people and we were in a much bigger office and we had got some some initial small angel funding just so you know we were good on cash flows and everything and that was in 2011-2012 2014 we marked uh, one major uh, move, a milestone in our business, which is when uh, WPP Group uh, acquired us. Uh, so they have majority stake in the company now. Mm-hmm. That was uh, in um, April of 2014. But we continue to stay as social wavelength till earlier this year. Uh, so in January of this year, I mean, just so that uh, maybe not everybody who's listening to this podcast may be aware. But in January this year, um, WPP Group, as well as uh, specifically the J. Walter Thompson Company, uh, which is a part of WPP, uh, felt it necessary to create a global digital agency brand as well. So where WPP has the JWTs and the Ogilvies and the Grades, which are brands and creative agencies which are globally present, in digital, the history was that you know every geography had some brands and there were acquisitions and they continued to be in their own name. They recognized in this changing world, uh, both as a brand and as well as from a pure collaboration and you know bringing together a, a, a huge knowledge force in digital, it made sense to sort of bring them under one umbrella, and which is when Miram was created in January. And Miram is a global digital agency brand of the J. Walter Thompson Company. And uh, it brought together initially uh, top agencies in the digital world from about 11 geographies. Yes. Uh, from the U.S. and Europe and Southeast Asia and uh, South Africa and uh, elsewhere. 
so that that marked the beginning and from january till date it's had some really rapid growth rates and uh, we were invited to become miram uh, as miram wanted to also extend the geography come into india and they looked at us and they realized that we had the right culture and the right kind of uh, you know skills and digital capabilities so we also converted to become miram um, in november so that's just uh, about a month a little more than a wow, month this is now. a brand new transition for yourself absolutely absolutely so okay. socially we become miram and as miram india we are about 170 people uh, largely based out of mumbai okay and uh, that's where the whole operations and teams are but we have small sales and client service presence in delhi bangalore hyderabad chennai uh, so that's where and a few other markets like kolkata we work uh, with the jwt offices in that city and so we do have clients in different parts of the country so uh, what's exciting us about being part of miram um, global uh, is uh, one is that suddenly we are part of a 22 2300 people community of digital professionals so we like you know we're talking to people like us we're talking the same language and which is which is amazing because you know while we were part of j walter thompson uh, from last year we were still talking to people who came from traditional media backgrounds and you know which was okay but you know they sometimes the language was not the same now yes. we talk the same digital space and secondly there are skill sets across this 2400 odd people which are unique so you know some part of the world that is unique you know big website building strength somewhere there's mobile capability somewhere there is shopper marketing and you know maybe our side we have social and all that so there are centers of excellence and to a client in india if i have to offer best in skill in any part of digital i am able to draw the right people from miram itself and go and also for us uh, for us as a social media experienced team for us to have doors opened in the rest of the world through the miram offices there they come back to us and say you know you know we need this social media work to be done and can you do it certainly for us we have access to a global market through our own brand miram so all that is the power and you know there's a lot of knowledge sharing there's a lot of collaboration uh, it's just a month but we're extremely excited so that's that's really uh, quick and dirty of miram india fantastic and so i mean you've gone from four people to literally being connected to now uh, a network of several thousand professionals and a core team of 170 in India. Yeah. So you've done and I know like because I've been watching you you've done I mean talk about the number of campaigns and clients and programs you've done and you've seen it all over the last, you know, 6 7 years. Today there's been a there's a you know huge amount of conversation around and it has been of course for the last couple of years. um but around the importance of of building a a community that it's sort of almost gone full circle where it was facebook pages and clicks and all of a sudden they realized you know if i'm going to reach a marketplace i need to build a real community around a brand um what for you with these like some of these are very large scale brands um that you're dealing with and how do you what are your sort of key steps that you guys follow or beliefs you have around building communities for brands is it is it really vital is it overstated um what are your thoughts on it 
So uh, my thoughts are this way that, you know, uh, uh, early days of social media uh, or early days of our company, we, we were definitely pushing very aggressively that, you know, community is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple things have happened. Uh, one is that, you know, the social media space has become extremely cluttered all over again. So pretty much like print or television, there's just a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so for a consumer, when he comes onto his Facebook uh, news feed, there's tons and tons of stuff which catches his eye. So he clicks here, he clicks there. He's got a lot of things to do. So that's one. Second is that uh, increasingly because of this busy, busy world that all of us live in with brand messages in your face, wherever you look, uh, from your phone to your to, to the outside of the bus, to the out-of-form hoarding, to newspaper, to print, to social, everywhere, the fundamental uh, attention span of a consumer is very little. So, so that's the other fact. Now, when you think community, you know, finally, if a brand invests in trying to build a community, there is an end goal in mind. You know, finally, every brand, every business needs to have a have a commercial goal that you know it it should all end up meaning something to my bottom line at the end of the day. Even if it is a an investment of a year, two years, I'm okay. But you know, do I see light at the end of the tunnel if I'm investing in you know building and nurturing a community? Now. Because of the busy world, because of the low attention span, what could happen is that after investing in community, you might still lose the consumer between the start till you know getting him into the door and you know getting him to buy your product because there's just so much which draws him to other places. So anything which is that large, that long and that expensive to build and manage uh, and has a long cycle, uh, you know, the brands would have a question that am I guaranteed that because I'm building this community they'll ultimately come and buy my product or you know use my service and pay me money and that's that's really challenging I'm not able to always give a convincing answer that yes it will happen do, do you think it's which, do you think it's different though from for instance business to consumer versus business to business um, yeah yeah th- there are exceptions so there's not it's not like a you know, I'm first giving a more generic answer yes. which is for most brands um, and which is where the challenge is and hence uh, hence uh, to the la- to the generic brand the 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 uh, you know the investment or the deep investment into community building is something which we're not particularly pushing mm-hmm. um, uh, on the other hand there are exceptions so so exceptions are one is where the brand has a kind of an iconic status or, you know, like it's like an aspirational brand that I want to be seen to be, you know, wearing a Rolex or I want to be seen, you know, I want to belong to the Harley community. I want to be the part of the Apple community and all that. So there are obviously exceptions where people, you know, are drawn in because of just the just magic of the brand, you know, the Starbucks and Nike and all that. So those are good, those are great, and those uh, have a natural tendency to have a community happen, and which is where the brand has the opportunity to, to do things and make them, you know, make, make their community members more uh, attracted and give them value because they are, they are all already congregating around your brand. So those exceptions are there. And then, yes, you know, when you come to a business-to-business side, See, uh, it's obviously a much smaller audience. It's a very focused, targeted audience. Mm-hmm. Usually, the way we see business to business is that, um, you know, if if I'm, for example, let's say I'm a, I'm a chemical 
uh, uh, supplier or manufacturer and I supply to a to a paint industry. I mean, th there's a very direct connect. Here's my chemical and here are these 500 paint companies who are my prospects. That's my, you know, sort of uh, sphere of interest. Uh, I, I don't need to worry about the 501st person because this is it. Now, yes. so, so it's A, it's a very small group. B, if I'm doing a certain chemical, there are probably, you know, 100 other companies who can offer the same chemical. So what's there to differentiate because that whatever, you know, so-and-so chemical is so-and-so chemical. So is it always going to be the lowest price? You know, here's where you as a brand can engage that group of 500 and come out with, let's say, a thought leadership uh, about you that you, you really get the space well. So even though the chemical is a chemical is the same chemical, you say that, you know, you get you 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 make it with you know uh, less pollution uh, so you know your 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 brand that you know if they buy from you they in turn are uh, responsible for uh, lesser environment abuse or the you know that sort of you know where how to use the chemical well in the process of paint manufacturing so that you know you get the best sort of uh, productivity or whatever it is now you're showing yourself that, you know, I have a product and here's my quotation, but no, I know something bigger. I can help you run your business better. Now, that kind of thing works really well when you engage that audience into, let's say, a group or you know, on LinkedIn or something. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, uh, you're offering value. You're creating thought leadership for yourself. And those people are connected and stay connected because every day you're helping them make their work better or they're learning something from you they're getting value and that 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 works really well so that's something where a community still works and can can be extremely effective for a brand if and that's also the only way you can differentiate otherwise you know it will always be priced that you know are you the cheapest and you know then i buy from you otherwise i don't so you want to go away from there and that's where the the thought leadership or a community can help you for this kind of a case fantastic so kind of talking about thought leadership and around content creation and building community and, and one of the areas, as you know, I'm focused on on a regular basis is the, the area of social selling, kind of equipping sales teams and sales organizations to use social media for, for communications, but also to kind of establish themselves as thought leaders within their own client bases. Um, are you seeing a trend towards this where organizations are now wanting to create content that their sales teams can use on a one-to-one -one basis? Um, have you been involved in any type of projects like this? Um, I, I noticed that you're, you know, very involved with, of course, uh, the Salesforce and the marketing cloud and whatnot as well. So is this an area that you see as beginning to evolve? Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. This is, this is a, it's a big area. Uh, a lot of companies and including some of our clients have, have a very large, uh, sales force, the people on the ground. Um, the financial services companies who have a huge distribution arm there are there are financial advisors around the country you know who who, who advise their clients on on products and sales uh, most of the time all this very large extended network of people are grossly underutilized and they're still doing things the same old way which used to happen in terms of just you know, pushing products or, you know, taking brochures and going and, you know, doing it in a very, very old and traditional way. 
where in fact uh, there is a huge power of uh, social selling which which can be unleashed and uh, you know the way we see, we see it and the, the what we tell our such clients is that um, look you have the advantage of feet on the street you have a huge distribution network in that sense in terms of people who meet and engage with consumers around the country but they are continuing to sell in their own you know limited way you know maybe somebody gets the product well but doesn't get anything more you know so uh, all of them all of these sales people or distributors uh, have their own networks of clients or consumers who they connect with and they probably are also on social media today in their own way but they are not using the medium anywhere for carrying you know the brand or the product message forward uh, left to them you 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 know you call them on your sales conference and tell them hey guys you are all on social media you should use social media for your for your connecting to your consumers and uh, some of them will attempt it some of them will do something they may not know how to communicate well they may not know how what kind of content to offer and you know they'll they'll fumble they probably do something wrong because they don't get the right way and some will not have anything to share because they don't have the material uh, they don't have something latest so so it won't happen just by saying that okay guys go out and do some social selling so that's where some interesting programs uh, come up and you know we've done a couple of those for clients here is where uh, we we create a repository of centralized content from the brand's point of view now this content could be of of various types so it's rich media it's text it's video it's images it's what not and we create a platform where any of these sales guys uh, through uh, through um, you know through a login can come and pick whatever they want and with a click of a button share it to their networks um, you know on facebook on twitter you know maybe on whatsapp wherever and that's it so they don't need to worry about creating content they get the best of content created centralized so and they can share it is this a proprietary platform that you've built for your clients or, or isn't it yes, a, oh, yes. fantastic so we, yeah exactly and and what it goes there is there it goes further at the central level the brand can uh, can see who's sharing how much it's also seeing that if a person has shared an article or shared some content piece what is the reach that that got mm -hmm. so how much how far is that message going and uh, a basis which a the the sales people get points and you know these points are like so you've like made, a you've made sharing into a kpi and not just the act of sharing but who's actually influencing more which is right. uh, I mean, what an amazing yeah. innovation that's you know i've heard other iterations of that but not the sharing and measurement end. that's that's fantastic Right. So it does two things. One is that it uh, it it sort of motivates or incentivizes the salesperson. Um, uh, you know, and the reason is that we we he would have liked we would have liked them to help himself anyway. Yes. But there's an inertia. I mean, it's actually helping his work and his business. But the whole uh, overcoming the inertia part that you know, look, I need to do this. That the incentives help to achieve that. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Also, what it does is that in time, if I have like a 20,000 force of salespeople on the field, I'm able to see which of the content is the most uh, shared, 
what gets the most engagement so i get a good measurement of what's working for me what's not working for me so that i can sharpen my content creation in time which i even put out on you know the public platform not just with the sales team so it, it has a lot of uh, positives and you know it's working well um and Fantastic. you know, points I mean, that the sales guys earn they can get some rewards for that they can get a you know uh, you know trip trip to singapore or whatever so it it it's all a great win win that's great so you know i, I was going to my next question was going to be you know a couple of thoughts on what the future of social media will be for 2016 before we wrap up the interview but i mean you've you've kind of given us one i mean that's a that's a pretty amazing approach to getting your your sales team to share the content and be thought leaders and so what a what a great piece there so i I think you can we'll look at many sales organizations hopefully using your platform um, but they'll be evolving to do the same and i'm starting to see that happen myself but what else is for the next year let's say 2016 if you were to say here's two trends that that social media marketers and and forward-thinking business organizations should really be looking at for the year 2016. What do you think those two trends would be? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's a really tough one because there's just so much happening. But I think, I'm not sure if I'm getting the top two or the best two, but there are a couple of things which excite me a lot in terms of opportunity, which not just for me, but for the the clients. Um, One is this whole sort of maybe... Uh, heavily abused term, but I think still very relevant term. Uh, what is known as digital transformation. Yes. Um, you know, in spite of uh, you know some of us having been in the business for a while and thinking that you know I think the medium has matured now. You know, we are now five seven years into it and whatnot. I think there's a lot of organizations which are still taking the baby steps. These are companies which are. Uh, which are what what we term as the old economy companies, very large businesses, you know, doing doing traditional work, you know, selling pharmaceuticals or you know doing steel or cement or you know traditional retail or whatever, and who have uh, somehow not adopted digital uh, to a large extent, and which is uh, which are areas uh, which are the kind of companies who are you know who have a, a double-edged sword in front of them one is a, a huge vulnerability that if they still don't do it they could just be you know steamrolled because there are smarter efficient companies who are coming from behind and much as they may these uh, you know these companies may have a long history and you know, big businesses uh, they could just lose out because of efficiencies and opportunities that the new startups, the guys who adopt are getting. And uh, so there's a big vulnerability of losing out uh, all of a sudden because you're doing business inefficiently. You're still doing the old ways. You're not uh, taking advantage of what the medium offers. On the other hand, if they choose to make the shift and, and you know, that's, that's the whole opportunity of digital transformation, um, they could, uh, you know, they could quickly and clearly swing the other way around because with all the great advantage they have of the infrastructure, the the reach, the, the product, the brand uh, equity over the years, if they now become efficient, um, the impact on on their from their business is so huge that they can look uh, you know really smart and they can even 
you know take on the 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 so to say the the hero smart brands which we see today which are all these new um, you know venture capital invested dot coms and online commerce companies who seem to be the only ones uh, looking cool now so the old economy companies can have their business back if they can take the take a big road of tra digital transformation which um, if it has to happen has to come with a huge buy in from the top of the management i mean the ceo downward the chairman downward has to say that look we got to do this we have to make the change we have to move it across the organization we have to look at all our business processes we have to look at sales we have to look at marketing you have to look at customer service where all can we use digital efficiently market uh, product innovation um, distribution commerce everything and of course it doesn't happen like in one flip of a button but kind of take it as a strategy think of it as a one year two year three year kind of a transition and then make it so that that's one which is really exciting and for us it's exciting because obviously when there is a buy in from a client and they trust us uh, we we're looking at like a 2 3 year horizon great association very measurable impact you know we obviously good business for us uh, but making a difference to the company so that's one yes uh, and the second is a you know probably a little less known but we find huge value so i you might remember that we've always also been in the social media listening business so yes social where, media monitoring absolutely yes so where the more um visible face of social media has been the outbound communication the facebook pages and the youtube videos and the tweets what actually also has huge value is of the listening in to social media conversations and we've been doing it from the from the day we started the business in 2009 but where um, traditionally social media listening was most used and continues to be used uh, are two spaces one is the what we call as social crm because consumers go and you know raise their complaints or queries or cribs or rants on social space and as an organization you got to find them look it up and respond so that's your customer interaction like you do a crm except it's happening on the social field so that's social crm and the other is orm the online reputation management somebody is you know screwing up with your brand you want to find out you need to you know fix it protect yourself so these two have been the most commonly used uh, uses of social listening but what's emerging as a third and that's what what i was coming to as one of the most exciting spaces uh, within social media listening is is the space of market research and consumer insights through social media listening now let me explain so so all of us as participants on social media uh, you know spend you know put out so much of our viewpoints and on brands on our wish lists on what we like what we dislike as a whole that's that's a huge and humongous amount of direct consumer responses which are out there now if i am a brand i want to you know as against conducting traditional market research can i just dip into this huge pool of uh, self expression and pull out the perception pull out the viewpoints uh, either from a category point of view or a brand point of view or from a consumer behavior point of view and uh, and and 
you know, get some rich information out of that. And that's exactly what is possible. And we, we've done several such uh, engagements in the course of 2015. And we believe that our clients have got extremely good value. They've been extremely happy. They've come back to us for more. And this is a space which excites me the most because, um, you know, I'll give you an example. We, we work for a wine conglomerate. Um, they are present in multiple countries around the world. Uh, so we work for them to look up wine as a category uh, in specific markets. Uh, the markets identified were Australia, New Zealand, the UK, and the North American market. And we were, we, what we gave them was something like a 160-page report come out of only social listening across these markets. And the kind of stuff we were able to get was, you know, what are the different kinds of wines that people talk about, the whites and the reds and the sparklings and the champagnes, what, what are the associations, what kind of food gets associated with wine, um, where and how much, which market talks about vegetables, which markets talk about cheese, which market talks about dessert and wine, um, you know, when is wine ha had, morning, afternoon, evening, what occasions it's had with, is it with, you know, weddings, it's with parties, it's with office parties, office meetings, um, who are the influencers in the space, what are they talking about, um, you know, uh, what's the search uh, space like where wine is concerned, what is the visual representation of wine which works, you know, is it fancy bottles, is it, is it what not, I mean, the overall material which we got was extremely powerful and to just give you a little peep, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm slightly giving away an interesting nugget, but I mean, just to give, make a point is that, for example, we understood that of all the conversations around wine, the one which generated, one which was responsible for close to 50% of the communication on social media was wine events. Okay. Yes. Wine events or wine tasting or whatever, those generated 50% of all conversation on wine. Now, one has wine probably right to the year and maybe, you know, four times a year or two times a year or three times a year, one may be present in a wine event. If you so, so, so you, you're a wine consumer, you probably consume, you know, two, three, four days a week, but you're, you're, you're at a wine event maybe once or twice or thrice a year, maybe, and some, some, some maybe more or less, but but that wine event contributes 50% of all conversations. Now, what this tells a brand is that if they have to launch wine in a market or they want to launch a new wine, they have to have to do an event. It's yes. a no-brainer. And they need to engage the influence. They get like 10 influencers into a room, get them talking, and they would have launched a wine because it cont contributes so much conversation, mm -hmm. create fans. So now that was a nugget which came out, you know, one would have intuitively thought about it. But when somebody says that of all wine conversations, 50% are around wine events, then you, you're completely convinced that that is the way. So things like that. So well, fantastic. Um, that, that is a nugget. I mean, that's a huge nugget. And I, and I, I think that that's, that's an interesting blend between we talk about being in social media when it really refers to being social, which is about people and and there is no barrier, right? That's still a social media event, the offline event. And I think the social just amplifies that. And so it's uh, but that's a great finding. 
So Sanjay, thank you very much for taking time out of, I know it is a very busy schedule to, to share with us your insights and the future of social media and digital marketing. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Shane. Thank, thanks for having me over. I look forward to the link. Absolutely. And hey, how do people find you or find more about your organization? What's the best way to connect with you through Twitter? And what's your website? What else? How can we find you? I'll, I'll just put it in the chat here. Okay. Uh, put yeah, so that's that's my Twitter handle. and um, At SM63? Yes. So that's easy to remember, nice and short. So at SM63 yeah. on Twitter. And uh, where you can really get Sanjay's insights and find the rest about his business. You can also email him at info at socialwavelength.com. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from closingbigger.net. You can find notes and links to all the resources we talked about today at closingbigger.net.
Testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two. 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 Testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing.